Welcome to Sports Beat KC, a sports podcast of the Kansas City Star. I'm Blair Kirkhoff. On today's show, we talk with Jesse Newell, Kansas beat writer, about Kansas basketball recruiting, and then we segue into Bill Self's future. Later, we'll catch up with Kellis Robinette, who covers Kansas State. We'll talk some basketball, some football, and some baseball. Jesse Newell, who covers Kansas, along with Gary Bedore, joins us. And the offseason seems to never – there is no offseason for, for Kansas, especially when it comes to basketball recruiting. And Kansas kind of – I don't know if – they're not the exception to this, but uh, tend to have a lot of recruiting um, successes late in the process. Am I right about that, Jesse? Yeah, Bill Self's a good closer in the spring, and sometimes uh, the holes tend to open up in the spring because KU, as we've seen a little bit this year, some of the guys, uh, they lose to the NBA draft. You know, they have guys that kind of test, and then they're not sure if they're going or not, or maybe some guys decide to transfer, those sorts of things. So uh, a lot of times KU has openings here, and this season is no different. Yep, so uh, a couple of couple of names to, to talk about. Maybe we'll start with the most recent one. Gary had uh, had a story or led a notes column with the um, uh, with the visit of uh, J.T. Thor. Have I got that right? J.T. Thor, who is uh, visiting Kansas, I think, as we speak here on on a Thursday, and has um, has been to Kentucky twice, but is visiting Kansas today. Six nine, three four type of guy. What? Um, t- tell us a little bit more about J.T. Thor. Well, yeah, I mean, this one's a little bit down the line. He's only a sophomore now, but a big man who can shoot the ball uh, from down, you know, three-point range, which is something that hasn't always been uh, what, you know, KU big men have done best. But uh, he's kind of more of a guy that you get in on early. He's the number eight ranked player in the class. For for twenty and, for 2021, right? For 2021. So, yeah, and I mean, it sounds like all the big schools are – are checking in on him, all those sorts of things. And uh, one potential KU tie with this one is that uh, he plays at Huntington Prep in West uh, Virginia, which uh, if, yeah, if yeah. that re- reminds anybody, brings any bells, that would be where Andrew Wiggins played. So uh, maybe KU has a little bit of an in on there. But, I mean, as of right now, as you'd expect with a sophomore, so many names on the list. You know, he's going to visit Kentucky, Arizona, Michigan, Maryland, LSU. I mean, you, you have all these schools that would be involved with a guy that's a top 10 uh, player right now. But uh, KU being on that list, it's not a bad thing. Uh, obviously, uh, for Bill Self and his staff, there are probably more immediate things, but that doesn't mean that you totally uh, ignore the future either. And these are the sorts of guys that KU usually get on early, and we'll see if they can stay with him late. Is it is it a good sign that uh, that for a player like him, a top ten player, even though it's in a in a future class, that he is he, he's got Kansas on his list and he is visiting Kansas because there was a time just you know in the last couple of you know months with the FBI investigation you know, in the news that that we weren't hearing uh, about top names associated with Kansas. Like I said, I know this is a guy for down the road, but I'm, it's never a bad thing to, to be involved with a top 10 player and maybe for Kansas a little added significance this time. I think that is the big concern. And you've heard Bill Self talk about this both directly and indirectly, just how 
lately the FBI probe into Kansas and all the stuff that's gone down has seemed to affect recruiting, along with the fact that Bill Self's name keeps getting brought up with NBA rumors, and you can tell that that can be used against the program in a negative way when other coaches, they might talk to a player and say, hey, you were going to commit to Bill Self. Haven't you heard that he might go to the Bulls or he might go to the Spurs this year and leave you high and dry, that sort of thing? Uh, so a lot of things have kind of played into it. But as you mentioned, as of this point in the season, usually you can look at KU's recruiting class and say, OK, Bill Self needs to fill in a scholarship or two. But, hey, they need this particular piece or that particular piece. But they've already got, you know, a couple of McDonald's All-Americans signed, that sort of thing. This year's different. You know, they have a couple of nice players, Christian Brown, a top 100 guy. Uh, from the Kansas area, you know, Blue Valley Northwest. And then they've got Isaac McBride, a point guard just outside of the top 100 in rivals uh, from Arkansas uh, in the Little Rock area. They have those two guys committed. But outside of that, there's not the normal, you know, top 20, top 30 recruits that Bill Self is used to getting. So, yeah, getting back on the radar of these top 10 guys, I don't think it can be considered as a bad thing. But as I mentioned before, when they're sophomores and this early in the process, there's a lot of teams that are going to be interested, and KU is one of those as of now. Right, and, and although, you know, Bill Self talked about this, and uh, to he mentioned it to to Sam Ellinger, to you, to others who uh, who, who covered him, uh, covered the the, the season-ending banquet, that he's not going anywhere. Uh, was pretty emphatic about that, but it, I think it it, it 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 warmed the hearts of Kansas fans to see across at least across the crawl the other night that Greg Popovich signed a three-year extension with the Spurs. So, you know, whether you, I trusted Bill Self when he said it anyway, but it's, you know, at least the Spurs, and that's always been the, that's always been the NBA team associated with, with Bill because of his friendship with RC Buford, the GM. But so Popovich is not going anywhere, even though he's 70 years old. Uh, Don't look for Bill Self to end up in San Antonio. Don't look for him to end up anywhere outside of Lawrence. Yeah. Well, and I think you bring up a good point, Blair, which is, I actually, I absolutely believe Bill Self when he said he wasn't going anywhere. But, you know, FBI or not, KU finishing poorly last season or not having a season up to their standards or not, whenever that Spurs job came open, Bill Self was going to be linked to it. And Bill Self was probably going to get a phone call about it. And so while we can trust him and believe him what he said two weeks ago, which I do, uh, you know, that doesn't mean that if the Spurs job did open up that R.C. Buford, his longtime uh, buddy, wouldn't have given him the call and said, hey, look, I, I got to do my due diligence. I have to call you when this job opens up to see if you're interested or otherwise I'm not doing my job. And so uh, that might have been something that would have intrigued him, whether he was coming off a national title or whether KU is in sort of the predicament it's in now where we talked about recruiting struggling and then coming off of what is considered a, quote, down season for them a year ago when they didn't win the Big 12 and only made it to the round of 32. So I, I think you're right in that maybe a little bit of, of a sigh of relief just because things could have changed in that situation very quickly because, uh, like I said, the San Antonio job has always been the one he's been linked to, and obviously that position has been taken by Greg Popovich for a long time and will be at least for one more year. And on a historical note, uh, I, I know older Kansas fans will remember – in 1988, with Kansas coming off the national championship, Larry Brown actually held a press conference in Allen Fieldhouse to announce he was staying, not taking the job at UCLA. And I don't know what the, how much time passed, but not a lot before he was on his way to San Antonio to become the head coach of the Spurs. But keeping with uh, keeping on a, a recruiting theme, uh, someone who's a little bit more immediate, whose choice will come sooner than uh, than two years from now, or or at least. Uh, you know, earlier than J.T. Thor's, is R.J. Hampton, the guard from uh, Little Elm, Texas, who has his final four listed as Kansas, Kentucky, Texas, and Memphis. 
And to me, when, what's significant about this, Jesse, is he had Duke on the list and, uh, and had, had dropped Duke. I guess he, you know, he mentioned that, uh, that the Duke interest in him may have uh, waned a little bit, but then he added Texas Tech. And you and I were going to talk about Chris Beard in a second, but uh, significant, really, that a player who lists among his choices, uh, being Kansas and Kentucky, also has Texas Tech on the list. What are, where does Kansas stand with, with R.J. Hampton, and uh, what, what kind of player is he? Yeah, uh, and before we get to that, Blair, you talked about the history lesson, not to mention the, the last coach that left, left Kansas also <laughs> had a press conference or <laughs> announced very publicly that he was staying at Kansas a few days before going. And I'm speaking, of course, of Roy Williams, who uh, you know couldn't give an, an S about the uh, North Carolina job. And then you know a few days later, uh, very much gave an S about it. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> KU true. fans have been trained over time to not listen to coaches when they say they're going to stay. Hey, but- hey, and it's a tough spot for coaches. I mean, look— they- Circumstances and conditions change daily. They they do, and and a coach, you know, can, what's a coach to say? I mean, I'm I'm pledging my you know my life to this university or to this team. You just you can't hold a coach to a promise that he that he makes when he doesn't have all the you know all the situa- all the conditions and circumstances in front of him. Things change and decisions change, minds change. So I'm not saying it's going to happen in this case, but the two examples that you and I have provided, situations changed and and the coaches acted accordingly. Yeah, absolutely. And then, as I mentioned before, I, I do trust Bill Self and what he said. He was very adamant about it. But exactly as you stated, Blair, you know, the Spurs job would probably be one that's been on his mind for a long, long time and something that has been in the back of his mind for a long time. So if circumstances did change and he received a phone call that changed his thoughts on things, none of us really should be surprised with that or hold him hold that against him because of uh, the personal ties he has there. Not to mention, we didn't even go into the fact that his son, Tyler, works for the Spurs, you yes, know, and his yes, daughter uh, lives down in Texas as well. So uh, there's other reasons that could potentially draw him there. Not that that's going to happen this season, as we just spoke about. But RJ Hampton, getting back to the uh, topic uh, here at hand, six foot five, a, a point guard, like you said, uh, reclassifying to the 2019 class, five star recruit. Uh, Rivals has not yet re-ranked their 2019 class with him in it, but expect him to be somewhere in the, uh, you know, four to six range with that. And uh, I, right now, the indication I get is that Kansas and Memphis are kind of the two co-leaders for him and kind of depends on the circumstances that he wants to go to in a school. If he wants to be on the ball, be the man, that sort of thing. You know, Memphis could provide an opportunity there. We know that Penny Hardaway has gotten that program turned around pretty quickly and that uh, he obviously would give him every opportunity to uh, shine at that level. For Kansas, I I think it's sort of interesting based off of what happens with Devon Dotson. Devon Dotson declared for the draft. He's going to go to the combine, get information, and then decide whether he returns to Kansas. And the narrative just seems to me to kind of change depending on if Devon Dotson comes back or not. If he doesn't come back, then I think if you're Bill Self, the sell is really easy. You know, you do you know Gazabuki's coming back. Other than that, you kind of have a bunch of nice role players, but RJ Hampton could step right in at the point guard spot and be the man for Kansas in the 2019-2020 season. If Devon Dotson does come back, it's probably a little bit different of a sell, which basically you just say, look, 
a couple years ago, this team was very, very successful when it had two point guards on the floor at the same time and Frank Mason and Devontae Graham. And the coaching staff would basically sell that they could recreate that same sort of offense if you have Devon Dotson and RJ Hampton. Whoever gets it brings it that sort of offense. So, um, again, we'll see what happens. It sounds like he's going to make a couple more campus visits. His decision will most likely come a little bit later in July, it sounds like, is what he's targeting. But that is the top guy on the board left for KU basketball. And they have a lot of scholarships to fill, but obviously if they got somebody of the uh, talent of RJ Hampton, then the recruiting class for this year would be looked at a whole lot differently than it is right now with only the two recruits they have signed right now. And as I mentioned earlier, Texas tech is on his short list as well. And, uh, all of a sudden, Texas Tech is a player in some of these games, not just in the recruiting world, but in the coaching contract world with the the news earlier this week of Chris Beard getting a incredible raise. Uh, let's say I wrote it down here of four point five seven five million annually for for Chris Beard, which makes him, I believe, the fourth highest paid coach in college basketball behind John Calipari. Mike Krzyzewski and Rick Barnes at Tennessee, who got bumped up when he flirted with UCLA. But that moves him to the top of the class in the Big 12 ahead of Bill Self. What What's the message here that, uh, that Texas Tech has sent, not only the Big 12, but college basketball with this enormous contract for Chris Beard? Well, I think it's something that they had to do if they wanted to keep him. And, uh, you know, there's still been rumors when they made their final four run and went to the championship game like, where will Chris Beard be next season? Because he'll basically have almost a blank check to whatever program that wants to hire him. And so for Texas Tech to, to make a stand, it lets you know that, yeah, this is important to them. Now, there seems to be a couple of jobs right away that Chris Beard could be linked to. Texas is is one of them. Shaka obviously made the run to the NIT championship, so that helped out his cause. And he has a massive contract still left. But uh, Chris Beard went to Texas, and so there's some natural ties there. It would be tough to leave Texas Tech to go to an in-conference school, but sometimes money talks. And if he believed that he could get more uh, out of the program at Texas or that there were more benefits available there, then that's a jump that he could make. And that's honestly something that is probably true. I remember Jeff Goodman before the year started. He did a ranking of the best, basically the programs in the Big 12, just based off facilities, fan base, all that stuff. And Texas Tech came in ranked 10th out of the Big 12. And so for Chris wow. Beard to be able to do this with the program that basically has the least amount of stuff going for it, I think it's an impressive feat and and speaks to obviously uh, what he could do at a different program if he was able to take it over. And I do want to mention, I wrote about this if people want to check it out online. And uh, you're right, Blair, if you look at those USAID numbers that Chris Beard, I think, slotted in his fourth. Uh, and so a lot of people immediately say, well, how is he getting paid more than Bill Self? And a lot of this is sort of, semantics with it if you look at chris if bill self's contract you go into it and dive into it like last year the number the number total that he had under us today was 4.9 million for bill self and this year it was just a little bit over 4 million so you're going well what's going on how could he make 4.9 last year and 4 million this year sort of an interesting thing in this contract bill self was getting retention payments of about eight hundred thousand dollars after every year for the past uh whatever it was seven or eight years or so this year it changed over to something a little bit different where bill self gets 1.5 million dollars as a retention payment yearly but he does not get that unless he is the coach at kansas on march 31st 2022 so it depends kind of how you where you want to put that money so basically bill self earned 1.5 million this year if he stays until March 2022. And if that happens, then he'll get a lump sum of $6 million at that date. So 
again, it's it's difficult for USA Today to basically say, well, he got paid five point five million this year when he didn't get paid that money. You know what I mean? That money's going to get paid in advance if he stays with the program. So to kind of compare apples to apples here, Bill Self still on an annual basis makes about five to five point two million dollars per year. You had the original story on that back uh, when he signed his contract extension back in the early twenty tens, Blair. But uh, I think it was ten years, fifty two million at the time. So you can easily average that out at five point. $2 million per year uh, for, for Bill Self. So his contract is still higher up than Chris Beard's. It might not look like that, that way on this yearly basis because of exactly what I described to you. But to say that Beard makes more than Bill Self or will make more than Bill Self, again, that's kind of how you want to argue it. And that's why these numbers sometimes are very difficult to parse out because these contracts can have some fascinating language. That's great information, Jesse. What, what's, what's inarguable is that Texas Tech has made an investment in basketball that I— you know, that you can compare to the investment it made when it hired Bob Knight, which was just in terms of, you know, the, just the force of personality of, of the hire. But, uh, I, you know, and, and Chris Beard, of course, assistant under Knight, uh, under Bob Knight and Pat Knight, has returned to Tech and has done a phenomenal job getting, to the, getting his team to the national championship game where they lost in overtime to Virginia a year after getting the Red Raiders to the Elite Eight. So I think we can all agree that, um, you know, that, that, that Tech at least – sees itself as a as, as a player in in the Big 12 going forward with with Chris Beard as the coach. Hey Jesse, thanks for stopping by. Enjoy talking to you. Have a good weekend. All right, appreciate it, Blair. Hey, it's Blair Kirkhoff, and if you're listening to this, you love Kansas City sports, whether it's the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting, Mizzou, KU or K-State. And no one covers these teams like the Kansas City Star. If you currently subscribe to the paper or have a digital subscription, thank you for your support. And if you don't, here's a great offer. It's called Sports Pass. Unlimited digital access to every sports story and video on KansasCity.com. It's just $30 for the first year. It's the best sports value in town. Just $0.08 a day or $2.50 a month. You can't beat that. Subscribe now at KansasCity.com slash Sports Pass. Ellis Robinette, Kansas State beat writer for the Star and the Wichita Eagle, joins us today. Kellis, how you doing? I'm doing great, Blair. Thanks for uh, bringing me on this wonderful podcast. Yeah, appreciate appreciate you taking the time. Um, so yeah, we want to we want to catch up on the Wildcats, and it's um, you know spring football is over, and uh, baseball season is unfolding in a nice way for the Wildcats. We'll, we'll if we have time, mention that later, but. Right now, it's also college basketball recruiting season, and there are some some interesting developments uh, for for Kansas State that could turn into um, some really nice developments for for the Wildcats on the recruiting trail. Let's start with um, uh, Caleb Grill, who is uh, an in-state prospect and one that uh, the, the Cats have their eye on, along with a couple other schools. And tell me a little bit more about Caleb Grill and in his recruiting situation. Yeah, he's a pretty interesting guy. He's a senior at Mays right outside of Wichita. Um, first time around when he was recruited, none of the in-state schools looked at him. Wichita State didn't, K-State didn't, KU didn't. 
Um, but Texas Tech and Nebraska and some other pretty big names were in on him. And he spurned all of them to go to South Dakota State, which uh, turned a lot of heads at the time, basically just because he really, really loved the coach they had there. And then last month, uh, or a little bit before that, that same coach, T.J. Otzelberger, uh, took the job at UNLV. So then that allowed Caleb Grill to reopen his recruitment and reevaluate things. And then at that point, um, Kansas State had some openings uh, on their roster, and all of a sudden Caleb Grill was looking pretty good to them. So they offered, Iowa State offered, Creighton offered, and uh, now UNLV is in the mix, trying to the same coach trying to get him out there. So Kansas State would love to love to have him. He's a six foot three guy who can shoot the ball, play uh, play the one two or three at the college level. So it brings a lot of versatility. I kind of compare him to maybe it's a lazy comparison, but I I think he's somewhat like Will Spradling, maybe just a little bit more athletic uh, yeah. with a little bit higher college ceiling. So he's obviously a guy they'd uh, they'd love to add, um, and he's he's visited. Uh, all those schools I mentioned before, he's down to K-State, Iowa State, and uh, UNLV. And uh, he'll he'll choose next week, and uh, K-State would love to have him if they can get him. Yeah, it would seem like it would be a nice get for K-State. You know, Vegas, of course, has the, the, the coach he was enamored with at South Dakota State is is now at Vegas. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, he's out there. That's that's the reason he's considering them. And, you know, I, I don't want to read too much into anything uh, high school athlete might choose to do during his recruiting process but when, when i spoke with him yesterday he seemed of i asked him to talk a little bit about k-state iowa state and unlv and maybe it's just because he hasn't visited unlv yet i can't say that for sure but he, he seemed most excited about vegas um and really reuniting with that coach so uh if, if things go well out there it might be hard for those other two schools to to snag him in the end gotcha okay i know another another uh, prospect who you've had some contact with is uh, david sloan the the community college player from from kentucky what uh, uh what, what what would he bring yeah he's a little bit different uh than caleb he's a true point guard i don't think you could move him to the two very much you definitely couldn't play him at the three he's only six feet tall but his uh his college numbers in uh at uh his juco are kind of crazy 12 points nine and a half assists 4.8 rebounds a game i know juco stats can be deceiving but man the average nine and a half assists that's uh pretty nuts um he's been contacted by georgetown cincinnati and k-state sounds like it's down just to cincinnati and k-state for him um of uh of the guys they're looking at right now he's he's probably the guy i'd say would be most likely to pull the trigger and commit here really soon he's uh he's actually visiting in this weekend so he's a guy that uh they actually have some other point guards lined up, like Sean Neal Williams is coming back. Cartier Jada can play there. Um, I'm not exactly sure what they think of Dejuan Gordon, uh, another freshman they got coming in. I don't know if they view him more as a one or a two. but So he'll have competition there, but um, if they could add him, I'm sure they'd love to have him too. Yeah, and, and look, I don't think the fact that Jada's coming back would be a – you know would be dissuading for him at all. I mean, Kansas State played with three point guards last year, with the last couple of years, really. I mean, that's Bruce Weber seems to have made that that work. The, the now another one who you have um, who you've mentioned is a, a graduate transfer from Drexel, and I will. He's a, he's a big guy, and I'll let you pronounce his name. <laughs> uh, I think it's Alihan Demir. Um, I probably butchered that. I'm sorry if he's listening, but he, he's a guy that uh, man they they. He's not a Dean Wade clone or anything, but he can shoot it. He's got size. He can score. He can rebound. He's a stretch four. Um, if he were to commit to Kansas State, 
I think it's pretty safe to say they'd go ahead and just probably insert him into the starting lineup just because he has the experience. And he's a guy that they probably look at the way uh, Texas Tech looked at some of their grad transfers last year, the kind of guy they could plug in and actually make a big impact and help them do things. So um, he's a guy that they'd really want. They had him on campus earlier this week. Uh, they've really been mining the graduate transfer uh, ranks to find a guy who can step into the stretch four and fill in for De- Dean Wade next year. They, they've looked at a kid from Lehigh who ended up at North Dakota State or uh, North Carolina State. I'm sorry. And they, they've looked at some other guys who um, ended up looking elsewhere too. But he would probably be the best op- if they're going to add a front front court guy. This is probably looking like their best option. I know they haven't had the best luck with uh, one year transfers lately. But uh, I, I think just knowing how well it worked out for Texas Tech, I think they're they're a little bit more open to it again, giving it another try and seeing if they can get this guy on board. Right. The Red Raiders got to the national championship game with uh, with Owens, the big guy from from St. John's and Mooney, who tra- uh, the guard who transferred from one of the Dakota schools. I think it was just was it South Dakota. But uh, guys came in and were just tremendous for for the Red Raiders. Helped them have a spectacular season. So if you were had to, if you were to seed them in 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 terms of uh, percentage chances that they they would come to to K State, would you you'd give Sloan the the largest percentage chance of uh, of coming to, coming to Manhattan? I would. I'd say Sloan one, maybe Grill two, and then uh, Demir three. Just because I I really not sure what he's thinking. He's uh, He's also visited Minnesota, and people are still calling him uh, just a grad transfer market for a guy who's put up numbers and proven himself at the college level is just so crazy. Some other people might get involved. Um, but, yeah, that's how I'd rank it right now. Okay. So, bef- hey, before I we, we talk about you know what, what next year's lineup might look like, let me get your thought on, uh, on what happened to um, – uh, to Trice, the junior college player who, you know, Kansas State got, and I was excited about his uh, prospect of filling a big need for the, for the Wildcats uh, when it when it comes to rebounding, and, and it just never seemed to work out. What what happened there? Yeah, well, that's a great question. He really did look like the missing piece last year when he committed. I mean, people were just over the moon for him because he had these astounding junior college numbers and rebounding was the one thing they really needed. That's what he was best at. Um, When he did play early in the season, he actually had some success. I think he even had 12 rebounds in his first game as a Wildcat. So people obviously expected big things after that. But for whatever reason, he he never could quite figure out uh, where to go on defense uh, there for a while, especially when they entered conference play. If he was in there, it was basically they were basically playing a man down on defense against other teams, and that was the biggest reason they they couldn't play him. But he just never really flowed with the offense, never really flowed with the defense, and um, I, I think that they had some off court issues with him as well. I mean, nothing serious or anything like that, but just him and the coaching staff, I think, butted heads a few too many times off the court, and um, when things didn't work out for him all that great first season uh i guess they just decided to part ways and the disappointing part of it is just that with most juco guys um a lot of times you'll see them struggle that first year while they're adjusting to division one basketball and then the payoff comes as a senior during their second year and that's something they're not going to get with austin trice because uh he's right. gone so yep. that's that that's what hurts about it okay let's let's just say um let's say demir uh decides to sign with with the Wildcats. Could you see a lineup of him, Mayween, uh, Jada, Sneed, and McGurl? Does that that sound about right? 
Yeah, that would be pretty close. Um, I guess the only the only question would be would McGurl be would McGurl be uh, the other guard in that lineup, or would somebody like Dejuan Gordon or Shania Williams or one of those other guards here beat him out? Right. Uh, that that would be the question. But yeah, that would be about the basis of it. I think that the reason they're really looking for a grad transfer to bring in uh, in the front court is because if they don't, they're either going to have to go small and move Xavier Sneed to the four. Or, or play um, one of their two freshmen that they've got coming in, Montavious Murphy or Antonio Gordon at the four. Well, I think those guys do have long-term potential and a lot of talent. Uh, that's not not really been Bruce Weber's style to lean on a, a, a raw freshman all that much right away. So if they could get somebody like this to come in and play with the experience of the four, that would allow them to have a little bit more versatility. And, and like you said, then they could choose between McGurl and Williams are these other guys instead of having to play them because they're going small. Right. Okay. Let's uh, let's switch gears for a second. What do you, I wanted to ask you what you make of uh, of Hunter uh, Risen's Twitter uh, comment the other day. Risen, of course, is the, um, the the son of of NFL wide receiver Andre Risen. He was a and Hunter was arrested on suspicion of domestic battery. Uh, you know, an incident involving his girlfriend. And then he, I'll read the, the Twitter um, comment that he had. Uh, he says, quote, this will be my only response. I will continue to be myself, a man of God, as well as a great student athlete at this university. I have done nothing wrong. That's quite a message, isn't it, from uh, from Hunter Risen? It is, and he's uh, been fighting back uh, in there throughout the legal process. He's hired an attorney. Um, the uh, alleged victim in the case originally put out a, uh, a pseudo restraining order against him. Um, and he's since actually filed the exact same thing back against her and even added a, a protection from stalking order against her. So it's, it's kind of weird to see, uh, those both sides, I guess, kind of pointing the finger at the other here like that. Um, but yeah, he's, he said he's done nothing wrong. Um, so far, Raleigh County is just looking at it as a domestic case. They're not pressing criminal charges at this time, so uh, they're not scheduled actually to do anything. They're not going to have their first hearing or anything like that until June, so it'll be a while before we actually get to the bottom of this, which I guess kind of leaves K-State's uh, roster in limbo, not knowing if they're going to have their one of their top receivers next season or not. Let's finish this on a positive note and uh, and, and have a word or two about uh... – the, the Wildcat baseball team that uh, kind of left for dead after a few weeks of this season, but uh, uh, has come on pretty strong lately and has a, a big-time series this weekend that uh, might, I guess, uh, a, a lot will be determined about uh, the Batcats' future after they play is it, it's Oklahoma this weekend, right? Yeah, it, it's a great story. They they won last night on a on a grand slam from Will Brennan against Wichita State, so that was pretty neat. Um, but yeah, it's kind of crazy a month ago at this time, a month ago, they were looking like the worst team in the big 12, uh, 10 or 11 games under 500 losing games by 15 runs, nothing going right. And then somehow I'm not quite sure what happened, but a flip got switched. Uh, some of their freshman pitchers just really got after it and started going longer into games. Uh, and then they went on a winning streak. They won a series against Texas. They won a series against TCU. Uh, they almost won another series against Oklahoma last weekend. Uh, only got one of them, but yeah, they've actually, uh, clawed their way into the position where 
with a strong enough finish, they realistically could make the NCAA tournament. And you're right, they got Baylor on the road next, which I, who I believe is the top-ranked team in the Big 12 right now. If they can win that series, that would go a long way to uh, making that making that an actual reality. Yeah, I guess always in the Big 12, the first for baseball, the first step is to make sure you qualify for the conference tournament because the bottom two teams do not, right? If you're ninth or 10th. I believe it's only the last place team because there's oh, only nine. Okay, you're right. Yeah, but don't be that team is, 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 is the objective. And it seems like they're safely – are they safely out of that? It's, it's down – it would be down to them, Kansas, or Texas probably. But the way they're playing, they seem to be – uh, they seem to have elevated themselves out of it, unless they go on an extended losing streak. They 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 should have, they should at least be in Oklahoma City if that's where the tournament still is. <laughs> Definitely headed in the right direction, Kansas State baseball. All right, hey Kellis, thanks uh, thanks a lot for talking to us today, and we will chat with you again soon. Hey, my pleasure, Blair. Thanks for listening to Sportsbeat KC. I want to thank Kathy Liu, our producer, Leah Becerra, our technical advisor, among many things, and you for listening. Links to stories that we talked about today can be found in show notes and on KansasCity.com.